This is chapter 172 of the WCBS Author Talks podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WCBS ADD Books. I'm Lisa Chernkovich. Coming up, what animals can teach us about being better humans. This is supposed to be a year in which we can look forward to better things. Granted, it's been off to a rocky start, but that doesn't mean we should be writing off 2021 just yet. As we look to reconnect in person with family and friends many of us haven't seen in almost a year, you might be surprised to learn there are a few things the animal kingdom can teach us about interacting with each other, in both good and bad ways. There's a reason it's called herd mentality. Keep that in mind. I recently got to chat with elephant expert Dr. Caitlin O'Connell about her new book, Wild Rituals, 10 Lessons Animals Can Teach Us About Connection, Community, and Ourselves. I think if we were to ask people what they miss most from everything that the coronavirus pandemic has taken from us, it's the ability to easily gather in groups and socialize. You've studied animal behavior, particularly that of elephants for decades. What can they teach us as we look to reconnect with each other this year? Well, I think the pandemic has really reminded us of how important, just how important it is to be in person with each other. Um, and watching how elephants greet each other um, and, and many other animals, dogs especially, how excited they get when they see each other, we sometimes take that for granted. Even looking each other in the eye, smiling, um, saying hello, shaking hands, you know, we don't see each other's smiles because they're covered in a mask. And um, touching each other is is actually a really important ritual, watching other animals in nature, how important tactile uh, interaction is. is just just another reminder of how important it is to us and how much we're actually losing in the pandemic by being so isolated. Do you think that there, once we've gotten past it all, that we're going to be able to recover what we've lost by not having these these interactions with each other or even I know there are a lot of people out there saying well I'm never going to give another handshake again what do we lose when we abandon those types of rituals well it's very interesting evolutionarily the kinds of signaling um, physiological signaling that occurs uh, when you shake hands or even a smile a smile is contagious you smile another person smiles their eyes light up Um, but that handshake actually provides information it's an information exchange in the you know um, the evolution of the handshake has uh, first thought to have provided uh, hormonal information um, between men between a man and a woman and uh, the, the, the you know the, there's a lot of subconscious things that go on in these interactions and um, even uh, unspoken, rituals that we don't realize in the moment, but we're actually expressing uh, a hormone called oxytocin, which is the warm and fuzzy uh, bonding hormone. And if we don't have that tactile exchange, we don't get all of the information and the benefit that we would if we were actually having a physical contact. Even a hug is very important, but we, you know, we're so isolated from tactile interaction that we don't realize the damage that it's doing. We realize it physically, but, you know, when we look at each other across the Zoom divide, 
um, there there is a lot there in expression, but we're not actually physically gaining the benefit of being together. In the book, you write that there are 10 important rituals essential to our well-being. Can you run them down for us? Many people think that rituals are related to um, a religion or religious kind of rite, but it's actually much more basic than that. Uh, greeting is the first ritual, and greeting each other is is quite important. And, and you know, many of us, are, if we're in a big city, you kind of keep your head down and don't look at each other. And it's just even the simple smiling with your eyes as you walk past and nod to someone makes both people feel more more positive. And then I talk about group rituals, and group rituals right now are on the forefront of people's minds in terms of this coup attempt that just happened. I mean, how, how does um, these very negative things come out of, of what was evolved to be a good thing? Group rituals evolved, actually, for humans to... Uh, help facilitate hunts to to better survive in our early days. And that's true for, say, lions building coalitions so they can hunt better and better coordinate. Early humans used to do that, too. And as populations of humans got bigger, there was this issue of having an identity to your group. And so group identity and rituals relating to that group and helping people feel more a part of the group and attached and fulfilled were all really good things. But then group rituals are so powerful, the repetition of certain actions, the wearing of certain clothing to identify yourself. It's a very inward thing, and that, that tends to make people look badly at people outside those groups. And if we don't manage um, the power of those rituals, that's a really bad thing. But group rituals are supposed to be a really positive thing. So that's just another example of how these rituals are very poignant at the moment. Uh, Courtship is another ritual, how important it is, even, um, you know, if you've been married 20 years, um, doing things together and rekindling uh, your your bonds and and um, doing you know doing that with friends with family courtship is a really important element of relationships and watching how important courtship is in the wild is and how much effort is put into courtship is is a reminder that you know we are social animals too and these these rituals are really important for us. Um, our, the fourth ritual that I talk about is gifting. Actually, gifting is often more important for the giver than it is the receiver. And gifting is partly evolved as a remembrance. You give something to someone so that they remember you and, and feel good about you and then uh, helps further facilitate bonds between individuals by that gifting. Spoken rituals is another very important thing, talking to each other, singing for animals in the wild, you know, elephants communicate and really talk to each other while they're foraging so they keep in vocal contact with each other. And that's a very important element for uh, groups of elephants. Uh, Unspoken rituals are very subtle, body language. Seventh ritual is play rituals. Play turns out to be incredibly important 
for us, not just as children, but as adults and helping to facilitate bonds that we've developed over time and even bonds between family members and watching children play and playing with those children is actually a really important evolutionary benefit where if children play with adults or even play with each other, they gain physical skills, they gain innovative skills, creative skills that may have been lost in previous humans that did not play uh, as they evolved and did not learn how to innovate in crisis situations, uh, environmental changes. Um, There's been some interesting uh, studies looking at early humans and what might have helped them survive in certain challenging environments. And one of those things is, is innovation. And innovation comes through experimenting uh, physically and psychologically with exploring new environments in your brain and physically. And so play is a really important ritual. Grieving is another ritual that I talk about and compare our own, the importance of our own uh, addressing of loss with other social animals, the importance that I see them having to deal with the fact that they have lost a loved one. And it's really compelling to look at how other species handle grieving and just an even more important reminder of how, why we have this ritual and why it's important to take the time to address, acknowledge loss and and come together as a group and really celebrate that, that person. And that's obviously a very important thing at the moment with so many people losing loved ones uh, during the pandemic. Uh, number nine is the ritual of renewal. And I wanted to include this ritual because it's actually very important for us to recognize cycles in life. And, you know, we talk about spring cleaning. And if we actually recognize the different seasons, we actually hormonally benefit from that. And there are, you know, spring cleaning has mental benefits as well as physiological benefits. And the last one ritual that I talk about is the ritual of travel and migration. And I chose this ritual because many times we only recognize the beauty of our own lives by being able to see it from the outside. And there are many cultures that have uh, migration uh, or, or visiting certain um, places of value to them and what that does for them. This is also true for animals migrating, and animals migrate for ecological reasons. As the climate changes, they need to follow their food. That's one reason. I talk about the state of the world as it is and the effect of climate change on migration and how that affects us and our rituals of of travel. And so that's how I've organized the book into these essential rituals that would impact our lives if we focused more on them. Are the animals better at at this kind of stuff than than we are as humans? It's easy for us to get distracted. Uh, For for animals, they're more in touch with their survival instincts and, and what is needed. And we kind of forget about our survival instincts because we've got technology to surround us and we don't really realize that we actually need these things. We evolved with these rituals just like all these other social animals 
And it's really important for us um, psychologically and physically to engage in these rituals. What can we do, maybe not to be so distracted and, and, and so caught up in, you know, staring at our phones all the time? And I know it's tough with the pandemic with, with not being able to gather in groups or, or engage in touch and that kind of stuff. Is there stuff that we can start doing to lay the groundwork for really healing ourselves? One thing outside of, you know, not being able to be social, one important thing is to go to a place that can help you clear your mind of all the distractions. Some place in nature, whether it's um, going to a nice grove of forest, a local park, even your own backyard, and just look around you and really see the plants and see the progress of nature. We're now coming into winter. So if you're, uh, you know, near a park and and watching squirrels hide acorns or um, watching birds, uh, just doing something that, that reminds you of the beauty of this world and that, that you will get it back. I'm glad that earlier you, you brought up what happened at the Capitol. As I was reading your book uh, before this all happened. I took a note um, where you spoke about female elephants allowing each other to speak and finish speaking during an argument. And you uh-huh. you, you kind of write that, you know, we could all learn a little bit from that. And it really struck a chord after the fact that maybe we to do what the elephants do and, and stop and let people speak. Yes, I, I think that's really important and it always strikes me no matter how much of an argument is going on out there with the elephants they do let each other finish their sentences and you know that's that is a huge lesson for us especially at this time is so um, fractured our communities it's so difficult that we all feel so passionate about what's going on and we have very different views and if we're not allowed to express them uh, or just don't have the patience to hear the other side because you don't think they're right, it's um, it does us all a, a disservice. What is it like to watch elephants argue, so to speak, in the wild? <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's fascinating because I've been watching these same elephants for, you know, almost 30 years and to see how they've grown up and how they deal with family matters. They have very specific characters and, you know, there's matriarchs that are real diplomats and other matriarchs that are very aggressive and that really defines the mood of the group. And, you know, that can relate to local politics, to to current politics as well, um, where the diplomat will be very accommodating to other families when they're at the waterhole and they'll, they'll be willing to share, even though they're more dominant. But uh, more aggressive matriarchs, they kind of storm the waterhole and keep everyone away and don't let anyone else come and share with them. Um, And it's just very interesting to see how those family members from those matriarchs grow up and have a very similar affect and similar um, way of dealing with conflict. As I was reading the book, the one thing that really struck me is that Humans really need to stop thinking they're they're better than every other animal out there and 
maybe look towards nature, as you suggest, you know, get out and and be one with nature and realize that there are a lot of different animals out there who maybe do some things better than we think we do. Well, that's certainly true. And that's one of the reasons I wrote this book was to remind us that we are not better, quote unquote, better than other animals. We are in the same, you know, we we all evolved from the same uh, origins. And that's something that we have to remember that our evolutionary roots are very similar to elephants and, and all of their social strategies. They they evolved for a reason. Our group rituals, as I described, evolved for a very important reason, survival reason, to come together and, and deal with the challenge and be able to coordinate uh, within that challenge. And we just always think of ourselves as above nature, and we are really a part of nature. And I think that's very important right now, thinking about not just uh, animal conservation and preservation, but also the environment and protecting the environment. What else would you like readers to take away from your book? Well, aside from thinking that we aren't as special as we thought we were, I think it's important. It's an important, humble reminder of our origins and how important um, rituals are to keep us together. We are a very special animal and you know, we've come this far in our evolution and, you know, to see it break apart over differences, it's just a, a crazy thing. We're, we're bigger than that and we can come together and solve problems. And um, I'm hoping that some of these rituals will inspire people to do just that. As you point out in the book, we do happen to share DNA with a banana, right? <laughs> Uh, 50%, 50%, 50%, but that's still surprising. <laughs> 99% with the with the chimpanzee, with the great apes. We are very, very close relatives to the great apes, and we just think of ourselves as completely a different creation, really, and, and we're not. We all evolved from the same place. Well, I think if readers want to know more about that, delve more into that, as well as what they can teach us, they should pick up your book. It's Wild Rituals. 10 Lessons Animals Can Teach Us About Connection, Community, and Ourselves. Dr. Caitlin O'Connell, thank you for spending some time with us today and really giving us this fascinating viewpoint that I think a lot of people need right now and also maybe tend to forget while they're wrapped up in themselves. Yes, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And that's where we close the book on this chapter. Next time, we blast off into outer space with the best-selling author Patricia Cornwell and her 21st century heroine. Until then, connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at WCBS 880 Books. I'm Lisa Chernkovich.